Hey, Andre, good afternoon. This is Mike Ruiz. How are you today? Hey, I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're very busy, so I won't take up too much of your time, but thanks so much for being a part of the uh, Workday Recruiter podcast. No, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll uh, I, I know a lot of people will really enjoy um, all the things that you have to say. I know we've talked before a little bit, so I'm curious to see to learn more about you, but also uh, hear more about your workday experience. So I'll kind of start off with, you know, a question that I ask everybody, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, and then uh, we'll jump into the workday side of things. Sure, will do. So, um, yeah, I started out in, in life as an, as an electrical engineer, and oh. my first role was actually working on oil rigs and boats, uh, fitting positioning systems, which gave me the opportunity to travel a lot. I was based out of Houston, Texas. Okay. And three years after that, um, I was on the business side of an Oracle ERP implementation, which then became a project management role, uh, and then an Oracle um, consulting project management role. And then my first foray into HCM uh, was in 2005 when I, I left my uh, graduate employer and joined a, a not quite a startup, but there was 20 of us working in a, an office above a pub in North London, okay. a company called Softscape, which um, back, back then I think our main competitor was SuccessFactors uh, as it was. Uh, Softscape subsequently became uh, SunTotal, and I think now they are Skillsoft. So I spent a couple of years there um, and then worked for a, for a law firm for a few years uh, on IP, uh, intellectual property consulting. Uh, and then I ended up with Saba Learning um, back into HCM, uh, working on various uh, HCM, but mainly learning-focused uh, implementations. And then from then, I kind of ended up with Accenture. So I was approached about a role to do Workday with them. So I did two years with Accenture, um, wide variety of projects, mostly UK based. And then after that, I left and I started a, a role as an independent contractor working for a Workday customer. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years. Wow, that's great. So quite a lot of transitions, um, engineering, intellectual property, just to name a few. So I think, how are you, and this is just out of pure personal curiosity, how are you able to make those transitions you know, in your career? You know, uh, a, a family member asked me about my career plan um, and how that had how, how that had come about. And I must admit, up until that point, I'd never really thought about it. So I think I've always had the view of, you know, I'll try something and if it doesn't work out, I'll try something else. Um, sure. I, th I think in, in particular, the, 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 um, the work that I've been able to do as a consultant has, main, has meant that I've been able to work for a wide variety of businesses. And there's, you know, some other jobs where maybe you focus in one particular area. Um, but even since I've been contracting with Workday to have done a year with a business that made flu vaccines to then two and a half years with luxury, uh, luxury chocolate and now into financial technology. You know, it's a it's a real variety of work uh, that I'm able to do. But, yeah, I'd love to say there was a plan uh, that I'm executing carefully. But I, I think I suspect I was I'm just lurching from one role to another to another. Sure. Um, and so far, so good. That's great. Well, that's fantastic. Well, um. So where are you based right now for people who don't know? So I live in, in the north of England um, in a national park called the Peak District. Uh, for those that have a rough understanding of UK geography, it's about halfway between Manchester and Sheffield. And if that doesn't mean anything, I'm about 160 miles north of London. Okay, got so, it. So I, I live in a very small village. In fact, I live a mile outside a very small small village. So as I sit at my desk and I, I help my clients with Workday, I look out on the hills and fields, and right now I can see our five sheep eating grass on the other side of my window. Not a bad view. Not a bad view at all. Well, I, I think that's great. 
So, um, well, let's transition and thank you for the kind of personal introduction. But um, tell us a little bit about your start in, in more detail at Workday and then kind of take it to wherever you want to as far as where you are now from the start to kind of mm-hmm. the, where we stand right now. Sure. So I, I first came across um, Workday, I guess, um, in the aftermath of the Oracle acquisition of PeopleSoft. And I think this was before before they had a product and they were doing some of the rounds of the trade shows in Europe, um, kind of offering, you know, you know, tell us what you want and we'll build it. Um, and there's a lot of noise at the time, um, a lot of buzz, but I think a lot of the established vendors, you know, kind of saw it as a bit of a gimmick. Um, and then to be honest, didn't hear much about it. I, I know that, you know, they started off in the US and were growing over there. Right. And, and really the first time that I, you know, I, I looked, looked into Workday again in detail was when I was contacted by, by Accenture. Um, and I think, you know, then it was still kind of early days. So this is six years ago now. Um, so I think that, you know, that, that, that had a few big, big deals go live in Europe um, and in the UK. So I think it was just starting to gain some traction, just starting to gain some popularity, I guess, as being a, you know, a, a serious contender for the other big solutions. Um, so yeah, really, that was my entry point back in. Um, I just finished a, a big project with my previous role um, and was looking for something new to do. And it was, yeah, something that was interesting uh, and a new challenge for me. Okay. And then when you first started at Accenture, what was your main focus there? So I, I was brought in as a manager. Um, so I, I guess as an engagement manager, um, but at the time, you know, we had a lot of sales activity that was in progress um, I got to work on a lot of different things, you know, both new new implementations, um, doing some support for some post go live um, or, or phase two implementations. And I also spent several months working with a with a bank in the UK that was doing a vendor selection, uh, which for me was great to be able to be able to see um, a comparison between between Workday and Success Factors side by side, with the vendors, you know, showing their wares, showing the best of what they could do. Uh, it was just a great way to see what the what both solutions were capable of. Okay. And and to follow up on that, I'm thinking when you were first helping implement Workday at customers, you know, primarily in the UK um, and and Europe, you know, what was their initial impression, especially given, you know, 2014, 15, 16 timeframe? Um, I mean, I think, I think it varied. I think that the businesses that were already, you know, well set up with, you know, established uh, H, uh, HRIT uh, or HCM infrastructure, it, you know, it was definitely more of a transitional project. And I think most of the, the customers for the big uh, implementation companies, uh, you know, that they are that they are that sort of customer. You know, you don't get that many where it's, you know, really starting from the basics. So I think most of them were, were, were ready for it. Um, I think the value proposition of, you know, you're not going to have to pay for any more expensive upgrades um, was was really powerful. Um, I think that, you know, to and to trade that off against you know, you can't have any customizations. Um, I think that sounds that sounds good, but I think in practice that was you know, more of a challenge for some of them. Hmm. Um, I think some of the functionality was still quite early then. Sure. So this is Workday 22, Workday 23 sort of time. So things like um, advanced compensation was still lots of individual processes that were running. And it was just when uh, shared participation was being launched. You know, at the time there was no Workday learning that was, that was separate. Um, workday recruiting was also in its infancy. So, you know, it, it was a, a much reduced subset of modules at the time. So generally you weren't replacing everything. You're only replacing, you know, a few things with those, with those projects. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, so after Accenture, what did you do next? 
So I, I joined the implementation of um, a workday solution, but on the client side, and they were just coming up to the end of the design phase. And I think they'd got to the point where they'd been given their workbook back to review and sign off. And I think they'd not, not exactly an impasse, but I think there was some, some challenges between, um, you know, really understanding, you know, what, what had been designed and what was then going to be built. Um, and I think it was on the recommendation of their implementation partner that they get somebody into, you know, who understands Workday, who could help them help them through that process. So, so I, I joined them and we worked for, for six months in the run up to go live um, as part of a wider transformation project uh, that went live successfully. And they asked me to stick around for a while. So um, some of that was stabilization. Um, and that was my first uh, first time to see, you know, what happens when you leave, you know, what happens when the implementation team move off, you get to the end of hypercare, you say goodbye, and suddenly, you know, as a customer, you're on your own. So, so that, that was kind of interesting to see that, you know, the sort of one month, two months, three months on, and also to go through the first upgrade. So I, I stayed with them to, to, to help them through that and also to start planning the, the, the phase two project, uh, which was advanced comp uh, performance and talent. Uh, and then that, that kind of run its course, even though it hadn't been run the first time, but there was going to be a period of time before it would be used the first time uh, in anger, as it were. Uh, and it was around then that I was, I was approached by um, Godiva Chocolates, who were going through a similar sort of project that reached the end of the design phase. You know, they had some challenges over understanding what the design was, and they were looking for some help on their project team. So uh, yeah, I, I, I transitioned out from one role uh, and moved on to the next, um, and spent the next two and a half years uh, with Godiva. So the first year of that was the was the project itself, and then there's another eighteen months following that of both stabilization, uh, optimization, and also planning for phase two. Got it. Okay, interesting. So I, I'm curious to know even more so, you know, once you move from the partner side to learn, to moving to the customer side, what did you really learn or take away that? Um, you know, really helped you understand what the customer needed after go live. Mm. So, so I think there's a few things. So, so first of all, um, to talk about, I think the, 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 the challenges that you have as an implementer. Um, and I think the, you know, work, work day are their own worst enemy when it comes to that, because their, their demo tenants are amazing. You know, they're so, you know, everything works, uh, everything's turned on the data's all in place and, you know, it does look really good. Um, and I think that that's what all the, any customer that sees that, that's what they, you know, that's what they would like to get to. Um, I think in practice to get to that level of configuration and that level of underlying data is, is a long, long way down the line, um, unless, you know, you already have a really good uh, amount of data in place and then, you know, you build your history with Workday over time. Mm. So I think for an implementer to come in, knowing that that's what the customer has seen and knowing that's what they've that they've bought into as a dream. Uh, you know, you have to come in and try and deliver a competitive statement of work um, that will both give the customer what they want, but at the same time, you know, it's probably not going to be this all singing, all dancing workday demo uh, that they saw at the outset. So I think that that means that there's a certain amount of expectation setting that you have to do as, as an implementer. Um, switching then to the uh, to the client side of that, you know, you. You know a lot about your business. You know you know how how things work and maybe what doesn't work. You know you know where you have data gaps, um, and to then to suddenly to try and fit all of that into a template, um, especially when you don't really have the understanding or maybe you haven't really seen enough, um, is, is a very difficult thing to do. You know Workday, even though it's fairly simple, um, the businesses are complex, and especially when you're trying to do that globally, 
maybe with teams of people who don't have English as their first language, who are maybe doing calls in the middle of the night. And trying to get that buy-in into a global template, I think, is is, is tricky, um, both with um, prior and, 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 well, with several clients previously. Um, that's been something we, we've had to work through. And, and sometimes you don't really know how successful you've been um, until you get to the end and maybe even past the end. You know, quite often it's 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 even a cultural thing is that people won't, you know, on a call with 30 other people, they won't say, look, I'm sorry, I don't really understand this. You know, they, they would say nothing, but they wouldn't necessarily challenge if they didn't, if they didn't understand it. Right. So, you know, I, I feel for the, for the implementers who are trying to, to get this thing through and, you know, increasingly the, the focus is on, you know, shorter, you know, more clearly defined um, scope. So you can actually get customers live with Workday as soon as possible. But I think on the practical side, the, the businesses haven't got any simpler. And maybe you're working with a client who has, you know, one system in one country, but they're using pen and paper in another. You know, how do you fit those two two sides from a customer perspective into that same delivery model that the implementer has? And that's not necessarily a, a problem for one or the other, but I think it's a problem for both. You know, the, the the implementer really wants to get it right and deliver something successful for the for the customer. And at the same time, the customer is trying to manage these multiple teams, multiple stakeholders often with different starting points. Um, and there's a lot to learn. And I think it's, it's a meeting of two different skill sets. So the implementer will come in with all the workday knowledge with experts in the different functional areas. And the, the client will provide, you know, their, their business people who, you know, maybe they're specialists in their own functional area, but that doesn't mean that they're a, a technology specialist. Right. So I think, I think that that's, it's trying to bridge the gap between those two, between those two sides is, is really where I've, where I've done most of my work over the last four years. And, you know, that's a really great point. And something that I hadn't thought about is just the differences between different countries, different cultures, different languages, of course, you know, that's kind of obvious, but from a, from an external perspective, you know, the ability to um, ramp up a technology like Workday in which you have some um, technology systems already in play, but it might be, you know, more paper-based somewhere else. Mm -hmm thought about you know, yeah and you know if, if you if, if you've been working with a system like that where you're used to getting a you know checking a, a a mailbox for for a piece of paper and then you take it and you give it to somebody and then they you know they, they write something into a spreadsheet and sign it and then they put it back in the mailbox um you know that that's maybe not what you think of as being a business process you know it's something that maybe what somebody does but to then sit on a call um, and look at a demo of workday when you've never seen anything like it and to get to the end of it and say, right, you know, does that meet your requirements? You know, it's 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 a big ask of people. Yeah. And, and that's just on the configuration side. Uh, I mean, I think data is always a problem as well, especially when you have those same mixed starting points. You know, the the, the, the dream project is one where there is an existing an existing system which already has high data quality uh, and you can run a, um, you know, a report or an extract which will just spit out the data in the format that Workday is expecting. And then it's really just a mapping challenge. You know, it's how do you get, you know, is, is everything going to the right places in Workday? You know, the flip side of that is you are implementing lots of modules, which means you need, you need lots of different data points. And again, you're working with, with global teams, many of whom are working from paper, or maybe they've got some limited payroll records that have, have some employee information, but not all of it. And, you know, you, even they don't know how clean it is or how good it is. And trying to explain so many concepts, you know, what, what is an organization? You know, wh why does the manager need to be the next level up? You know, how does that map across to everything? 
and with getting all the correct values at each time. You know, that that's a hard thing to do. You know, people who work with data every day, uh, especially conversion consultants, you know, that that's their world and it's what they it's what they do and they do it very well. You know, if you're if you're doing if you speak to somebody who has never had to do something like that before, has never really worked with the system and they're taking time out of their day job to provide data in that format. Not, not, not only once, maybe being asked to do it two or three times. You know, it's, it's a huge amount of work just, just to get that right. Uh, on one project I worked on, I think we had a, a slide deck with 45 PowerPoint slides explaining what each template needed and how the data had to go in. Wow. And then within that, I think there was another 20 or 30 pages of explanation. And I know there was some frustration from the project team that the same, the same mistakes kept coming up again and again. But again, you know, the, the people who are having to work through this, you know, who can really read, you know, 100 pages of instructional text and then keep that all in the forefront of their mind when they're providing data. I mean, it, it's just really hard. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you can get it as good as you can get it. And then there's a certain amount which you have to clean up afterwards. And certainly what I've seen with all the all the customers I've worked with, um, that has been the case. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's a big challenge. And yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough for me to, remember everything over a hundred pages, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's going uh, to be pretty difficult. So, and I think that would be the same, same for anybody. So yeah. And, and that makes sense. So one thing that that's even a follow-up to what we literally just discussed is, and I'm sure you've seen this, you know, at Godiva or a, any other client that you've supported over the years is what is the situation that, or how do you best present Workday when a, when a client or customer knows they need Workday, but for lack of a better term, they don't know what they don't know? Um, and I don't know if I'm framing up that question correctly, but what I mean by that is they understand they need to um, improve with a digital solution, but they don't have any internal individuals who have worked with Workday book before. How do you address and or overcome that from your perspective? Okay, so, so I think it's a mix. Um, I mean, I think if, you, if, a, if, a, if a company has people who have worked with HR technology before, that's a massive head start. I mean, whether it's Workday or not, um, you know, that, that just gives people that insight into, you know, what the data flows might be between the different functionality you know, they would already understand data models. You know, they're, they're coming at it from a point of comparing what they have now to what they're going to have in Workday. Sure. So, so even if they don't have that Workday knowledge, you know, I think if people have that starting point, then a lot of the Workday functionality, they, they, they can learn. I mean, I, I don't think Workday is, is, is that difficult. You know, there's lots of little um, nuances to it, and there's lots of things where there's so many ways to do it that the trick is sometimes knowing, you know, what's the best way for a particular situation. So I think I think the clients that already have some um, HR HRIS knowledge in house, or even you know concepts of sort of global process leads, you know I, th I think they're they've already got a head start on those those that don't um, even if they don't have the workday knowledge. Um, I think from the workday knowledge itself, um, I appreciate it's a bit like a you know a, a turkey voting to cancel Christmas, but you know I think having an independent consultant, or even having you know hiring somebody who can who can come in and bring some workday knowledge. Uh, is a big help. Um, I think on a project basis, especially as the projects get shorter and shorter, uh, hiring a permanent person for that may become more difficult. You know, if you if you're expecting to run a six month project, you know, is your business going to get headcount? Um, especially when you know the the perhaps we're facing recession coming in the in the coming months and years. So you know, I, I think it is difficult, but I think if you can have some in, you know, somebody on your team uh, who knows Workday, um, then I think it's a it's a big help. Um, 
Having said that, uh, I know that WorkDoe are always very keen to to provide references. So you know, I think a good a good reference point is you know the the references that you speak to. You know, ask them you know how they did it. You know, sometimes they had help, sometimes they didn't. But you know, there's always lessons learned at the end of these things. Um, and I think every client I've worked with, by the time you know they've gone live, they've they've learned a lot. Um, but they'd probably also do some things differently uh, another time around. Um, I mean, I, th I think it you know there's a lot of things you only learn from doing. Um, so I think making sure that you have your internal team, you know, up and running. So at least when you prepare to go live, people have already been involved with testing, um, which is training in itself. You know, they're learning how to execute things in the system and understand what works and, and what doesn't and why. Um, but then also making sure that that level of knowledge is, is maintained as you go through your go live. Um, and then as you start launching it to the business and it starts being adopted. Now, whether those people stay stay involved in a, in a formal role or whether they're, they're part of your change management strategy um, or whether they're, they're, they're the people you talk to when there's a new release coming, um, you know, where there's a new feature that you think might be useful. You know, those people who have been through the project um, have seen how the design came together and maybe even they're using it on the, in their day to day jobs. You know, that's your best source of information uh, for knowing you know, how to drive your, your workday solution forwards. Yeah, I think those are all great points. So thank you for sharing. And, it, you know, it, it's something that I don't think people appreciate enough. So thank you for for really shining a light on that. But um, I, I want to go in a little bit of a different direction here. You know, from your vantage point and, you know, really you can go whatever dir direction you take it. What do you see happening in the Workday ecosystem, whether, you know, Europe versus North America, you know, large enterprise versus medium enterprise, you know, uh, HCM, you know, what trends do you really see happening over the next couple of years, especially given what's happened over the past three to four months? Um, I, I, I can try. Um, so being, being on being client side means that I'm not necessarily as, as exposed to that as I would have been um, if I was in the working for a partner and seeing, you know, a lot more opportunities or having visibility into other projects that were ongoing. Sure. Um, so, so I think certainly then as a start is I think that there's some of the modules that are newer that still have, you know, some way to go. So in particular with, with, you know, workday learning, um, I think that they've, they've made some steps in the right direction. Um, I know when it was first launched, it was almost a, you know, a YouTube for work. And while I think that's, that sounds kind of cool. Um, I think there's a lot of businesses that weren't prepared to replace their, their existing learning platform with that, unless it had some of the more, more common sort of, uh, you know, annual compliance training, you know, onboarding, you know, maybe some product training, you know, those sorts of features. Um, and I think that still has has some way to go before it becomes class leading. I think at the moment it's a great add-on, and I know Workday will often talk about the power of one. So having it all in one place is is really good. But I think functionally there's still some some steps to be taken there. Um, another area I think is in <clears throat> excuse me is in recruiting. Um, I think of all the modules that I've I've worked with with Workday, I think that's the one that has the biggest variation from customer to customer. You know, HCM is effectively the the employee file. And other than some, you know, some local variations, you're storing kind of the same information in each country. I think with recruiting, it varies just such a lot from business to business. So I think having the sort of the cookie cutter um, approach to implementation um, doesn't work as well uh, with recruiting, just because you know some businesses have high volume, low complexity, you know, maybe lots of locations, um, even even the UI itself. Um, you know, I think it, it does look. Uh, kind of dated now. Um, now there is an update coming to that uh, in 2020 release too, which I know a lot of customers are looking forward to. 
Um, but I think, yeah, there's still some some additional benefits to be gained in that area. And I think even once it's it's relatively stable, um, there's still things around, say, pixel tracking um, from external sources. Um, you, you can do it to a certain degree in Workday, but you know, there's always more that can be done and people want greater and greater um, functionality from their analytics. Um, and currently there's a lot of external solutions that will do that, you know, Workday partners who will help to provide that missing piece. But I'm sure that over time, some more of the applicant tracking um, and sort of managing campaigns will move inside Workday. So, so those are kind of the bits that, um, that I'm more familiar with. I know that certainly financial seems to be on the rise. Um, <clears throat> now, whether that's ever going to become something that comes first, followed by HCM, uh, I know that's happened in a few cases. Um, but certainly, I think, you know, that, that's not been as popular as, you know, I, I thought it might have been in Europe, but may, maybe that is still to come. Um, I think also on the analytics side, I think that's that's gonna gonna take off a bit more. So I think one of the key things for that is that you need to have the data um, that you can then report from. So whereas that might have already gained more traction in, in in North America, where there's customers who have been live for five, six, seven, ten years, right. um, in Europe we're we're some way behind that. Um, I know that generally trying to do a lot of historical data migration into Workday is kind of a hard thing to do, and generally you don't get the value that you think you're going to get from the effort. So that means that it's the clients who went live two, three, four, five years ago, uh, who now have that, you know, four or five years worth of good quality data in Workday. So they can start, you know, doing something with that, you know, actually mining that, using the machine learning, using a lot of the new features that are coming out to try to, try to do something, you know, something more insightful with it. And, you know, maybe if there is a recession around the corner and businesses have to be more competitive, it's things like that that might, might have a more compelling uh, reason to adopt, especially if you have the data there to work from. So yeah, I, I think I think that will continue to grow. Um, I mean, certainly what I have seen is that um, the UK, I think, is lagging the US um, by maybe five or six years, uh, and I think some parts of Europe, maybe even a, a year or two after the UK. So you know, some of that is functionally driven. So you know, maybe there'll be more uh, more local functionality to support those markets. Um, and and you know, if, if there's if there's places where Workday currently aren't winning. Uh, because they know they don't have the local configuration, then I'm sure that's something they will be addressing uh, to be more competitive there. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things. One, could not agree more with you on the recruiting side of things. I, I think I've seen um, and heard that um, the recruiting module in general can and will vary wide, widely between different customers. And I've seen that myself personally. So but I think there is so much room to grow, and I'm really excited to see what will happen um, here in uh, September with a new release. So I'm really looking forward yeah, to and, that. Yeah, and actually, and on that, I think even in the last two or three releases, there's been, I think, 30 or so, or between 25 and 30 new features in, in recruiting with each release. So it's, you know, the, the, it hasn't let up. I think the more, the more businesses that use it, the more of these things come to light. Uh, and then the more things that go into the product. So I, I know that there's a lot of work, a lot of work happening. Um, and I think clients are, are, are really keen to, to, to take it when it comes along. Yeah, I'm really excited. So we'll certainly see what happens. And I know it's, it's grown a lot over the years, especially over the last year, year and a half or so. So I could not agree more there. On, on the data side, yeah, I'm really curious to see, see where things go. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there as far as the opportunities. But, you know, um, I think the data analytics side, can be really driven home by companies that have, you know, some kind of, um, 
you know, ability to package all their data correctly. So it's as smooth as possible. But I think that's always the case, you know, given yeah. any yeah. data conversion. So um, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, it, it's surprising. I think that um, in some ways, from what I can tell, again, from an external perspective, I think the UK and Europe is closer um, in some ways and maybe farther away um, in comparison to North America. Uh, but I think generally kind of a few years apart um, is generally, um, you know, the, kind of the correct thing from mm -hmm. what I've seen. Um, but financials, I, I think, is still up in the air. So I think, you know, your opinion is definitely right there. And I, I can't speak as much on financials as Workday in general uh, when it comes to the UK and Europe. So um, one last question that I'm curious to know is when you look at your Workday career as a whole, what has been maybe the one project or one initiative that you've that you've completed that has been seen as kind of the most you're most proud of i guess for lack of a better term um i, I most proud of that's uh, it's not something i'd really thought about before um i, I think can i answer it slightly differently sure, i think the, sure. the thing that, that i've most enjoyed um because i think i do i do this more for fun rather than for for, for pride sure. so I, I think you know i really enjoyed working with the team at, at godiva and and it's you know it's a chocolate company who wouldn't want to work for a chocolate company <laughs> And, you know, even though it was fun for me, um, I, I attended Workday Rising uh, in the U.S. for the years when when I was working with Godiva. And, you know, just seeing the, the reaction of people when, you know, they they'd, they'd kind of re they read your badge before they look at your face. Sure. And, yeah, the number of do you have any chocolate questions that came before? <laughs> Hi, how, how's it going? So, so you know, the, the, the chocolate aside, which which was fabulous. Uh, I mean, I think we did such a lot there um, with a with a fairly small team um, in, a, in a relatively short period of time. Uh, with very very mixed starting points, so for me it was the first time where I'd I'd done a lot of work with 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 China and Japan, um, and again you know going from from no system um, in, in in either location you know working with teams on the other side of the world um, to 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 bring them along on this journey and actually get them live um, and get them working on Workday was was, was great. Um, it was also the the first time I think where I'd, I'd spent more time um, working from home than I ever had done before. So I, I know that now a lot of people are familiar with with home working because they've had no choice. Um, but you know, when you when you're trying to work with a global business that has uh, Tokyo that's nine hours ahead of the UK um, through to the US that's between five and eight hours behind, actually being in the UK is you know it's, it, it's quite a nice place to be uh, from a timing perspective. You get a, a few hours with Asia first thing in the morning, and then Europe you know through through the day, and then the US from early afternoon through until the evening. Um, so yeah, it was a yeah, just a really really good team to work with. Um, I think they they all learned a lot. I mean, a lot of people who weren't you know didn't know anything about Workday before we started the project. You know, by the end of it, you know, I you know I, I see as being certainly experts or experts in their regions um, for it, and I'm sure they'll they'll continue to grow with that. So yeah, it was it was just a really good fun. Um, you know, it did have its hard times. I mean, any project I think has its own its own challenges as you go through it, but. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we got through all of that and there's some, you know, some changes to be done afterwards, but there was always a real enthusiasm uh, to make those changes uh, and to keep 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 growing the solution. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's the real value of Workday. You know, I think when you go live, that's almost the start rather than the end. Um, you know, it's it's quite hard to get into that rhythm of doing two new releases a year. Uh, but really, you know, that that's what customers have bought. You know, they've bought this solution sure. where they can't have customizations, but there will always be new things coming down the line. 
Um, and yeah, to, to be able to, to leverage that. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not ideal. You know, there's a feature you really need um, or something isn't, isn't quite what you want. And then you see, you know, something's coming in the next release and maybe it's not a hundred percent solution, but it's a compromise. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's kind of how it goes. But yeah, it was a, just a really fun two and a half years um, working with a really good team um, and a great product. Um, unfortunately, I have run out now, um, but I'm sure at some point I'll uh, I'll cross paths with my with my former colleagues again and see if I can bribe them into to finding some more for me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and again, I know you probably have to run here soon, but um, tell me a little bit about your experience at Rising. I always like hearing those stories. Uh, so the first time, the first Rising I went to was the one in. Um, uh, Chicago, I think that was what three years ago. Uh, it'll be, it would be four years from next September. So yeah, and that that was kind of my first uh, first visit really, and didn't really know what to expect. You know, you get this massive catalog of sessions. You know, trying to pick through and work out what's you know what's worth doing. Sorry, they're all worth doing, but um, you know, what's the most relevant because there is just so much to choose from. Um, and then finding your way around. You know, it, it does feel a bit like being back at school you know it's uh the, the corridors are quiet and then there's a you know all the sessions finish and suddenly the rooms open people pour out and then they pour into other ones and off they go again um so i think that the, the first year i think i was just kind of finding my way a bit you know working out you know wh which sessions to go to you know how, how to make the most of it um and then i think for the second two so i also went to uh the one in in las vegas uh, which, which again was, was, was great. Um, Las Vegas isn't necessarily somewhere I'd, I'd, I'd normally go to by, by choice, but I went out a few days earlier and, uh, rented a motorcycle for a day to the, to the less than delight of, of, of my client at the time. But yeah, it was, it was good fun. And then to get into the, you know, the, the swing of things already kind of knowing, you know, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to see, um, was, was great. And, uh, it was also one of the first ones I went to where I went with, you know, someone else from my client. So we could divide and conquer right. to a point. So to be able to have a recap at the end of each day around what we'd seen, um, you know, what we were going to take away, you know, what, what, what was really good, what we needed to look at again. Um, and I think it was also one of the first ones where I, I did more of the, um, uh, I think what they call them brain dates. So this is where they set up um, sessions where you can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with with other customers so you can you can ask anything or you can you can offer anything and then through the rising app they'll put you in touch with other people who either want to ask you questions or can answer your questions so i i, I did that quite a lot in in las vegas and then again um in orlando um, and i think some of the insights you get from that you can't really get anywhere else you know it's it's not things you can find out through training you know you might get them from a reference but you know you probably don't have you know, exactly that same opportunity to have a, a completely unrestricted one-on-one -on -one conversation. Right. And I think pe people are really, really keen to, really keen to share. Um, and I think that's one of the key differences between the the customer base in, in North America and, and in Europe. And I think some of that is, is cultural. You know, I think people are, you know, more willing to celebrate and, uh, you know, share their problems and how they fix them. And there's uh, definitely an energy that you get from the US events that I think we're a bit more reserved um, over on this side of the Atlantic. Um, and it's also a much less mature, um, market, you know, the, the, there aren't the customers that have been live for, for, for 10 years who have, you know, gone through and, and come out the other side with a, with a really good solution. Um, so I, I went to the Milan event as well, uh, last year. Um, and you know, th there was a lot of, um, a lot of prospects there, a lot of new customers. Um, it, it's a shorter event in Europe, but I'm sure that will grow, um, over the years as well. Um, but I think it's definitely a different vibe. So, so for me personally, you know, I, I go to the U S event for, for learning. 
um, to see what's coming, to see what, what the US is going through now and what we might be seeing in Europe in, in years to come. And I would go to the, to the European event to understand a bit more about, you know, how, what's happening in the workday world in Europe. That's great. Yeah. And I, I would have never thought of the differences between the two, but thank you so much for sharing. And um, yeah, I think anytime, the first time you go to a big conference like that, you're kind of getting your bearings about, about yourself and then you kind of figure it out from there. But I, I love to hear about kind of those brain, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and it's, it's hard to go back to work afterwards and try and explain to people that it's been, it's been tough. I mean, it, it, it is fun, you know, no, yeah. I'm not, not going to pretend that going to Las Vegas or, or Orlando or, or Milan isn't, you know, a, a nice way to spend a week. <laughs> right. But you know what the, 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 um, you know, the, it, it's pretty full on every day. You know, the, the, the events start or the, the activities start quite early in the morning, you know, sometimes eight, nine o'clock. Uh, and sometimes you might have to travel from wherever you're staying to get to a particular room. So, you know, you, you, you're starting early-ish. Right. Um, and then it's, you know, there is no let up. It's, it's kind of all day till five or six. And then there's always something on in the evening, whether it's the um, it's the partner parties or it's the workday customer appreciation event or, you know, there's something, and okay, you don't have to do those, but you know what, if I'm traveling to a, to a conference somewhere, it's, it's important to make the most of it um, while, while you're there. Right. So yeah, I, I always come home exhausted. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really good learning opportunity. That's great. That's so good to hear. So, um, well, I, um, I, th those are the last questions I have for you. Anything, um, else that you want to share that you feel like people would, um, would, 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 want, would want to know, excuse me. Um, I mean, just generally around, you know, what I've been doing since I've been contracting with Workday. I mean, one of the reasons for, uh, for me switching from a, from a permanent role, uh, and I'd been in permanent roles all my career until I started doing this with Workday was really just to get a bit more of a, a work-life balance or, work work balance as it's become um i kind of realized that maybe i'd want to have more than one job so though work day is my is, is my main role um and i spend 75 to 80 percent of the year doing it um i've also been able to take on a part-time job as a motorcycle tour guide taking groups of people around europe which you know it's four to six weeks of every year and it, it barely covers its costs but to be able to do that as a side job alongside you know helping helping workday customers uh, you know has been a, a you know a, a great thing to do and i don't think i ever would have had that opportunity uh, had I stayed in a permanent role. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And, and again, this, this, um, this thing about being able to work, work from home, you know, it's, it is becoming, you know, more common, I think in, in light of the, the events of the last few months, but again, it's being able to work with a technology like Workday where undoubtedly there are some things that work better face to face, you sure. know, nobody wants to sit on a call and do a design workshop and maybe that's going to become part of the new normal as these projects go forwards. But I think, you know, certainly there's a lot of things which you can do effectively remotely. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of projects which were were stopped or delayed uh, because of the, you know, the, the events. And I know that the, the COVID-19 outbreak has been uh, the latest. But, you know, in the UK, we had some uncertainty around um, the general election in December, followed by the, the, the Brexit decision at the end of January. Um, and then COVID kind of came on top of that. So I think that, you know, the, the need hasn't gone away. You know, there's businesses that have been looking at looking at a solution and now they're having to change, you know, they're having to adapt. And, you know, it, it's definitely something that can be done with remote resources in most cases, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's still always going to be the need for how, you know, how do you do an effective workshop uh, remotely? Of course. But I think, you know, it's most of the access problems are fixed. You know, the expectation is people are going to work with the cloud. Uh, and I think as it becomes more normal and people get used to it, it will become, you know, easier and easier for people to implement uh, workday 
using remote teams uh, across the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more with that. So, well, good. Well, anything that you would want to ask me or anything that you would want my comment on? So uh, just one thing, really. So I think, you know, given where the U.S. is at the moment um, in, in, in their sort of workday adoption, you know, I think they are a lot further on um, than we are over here in the U.K. Um, and just from seeing the sorts of things that are posted on on community and the sorts of questions and sophistication that the customers are at, you know, I think there's a lot of expert customers now um, in the U.S., so I was just wondering, you know, what you were seeing from a recruiter perspective, you know, what the impact is there on the, on the partners, because it, you know, it must be difficult to, you know, how, how do you stay ahead of, of what the customers are doing? You know, how can you send someone or recruit for someone to go in um, and work with a customer who's been using Workday for, for 10 years um, and, and answer the questions that they have? Because, you know, it, it's, it's kind of easier. Easy is the wrong word. You know, it's when, when you're working with a client who's completely new to Workday, you know, having you know the, the, the few years of experience means that you know you can you can answer a lot of the questions or you know where to look for things that you don't know. You know, if you're working with a customer who is an expert already, you know maybe they have several people on their team who have you know been through the evolution of the product product has been you know have been through many upgrades um, and adopt a lot of the new features. That must be quite a difficult situation for a consultant to go into. Um, I don't think we're there yet in Europe, but I can I can see it coming maybe in the future um, as, as the world moves on. But, but for you as a recruiter, you know, you must, you know, have to, to you know, how, how do you bridge that gap between, you know, really experienced customers and getting the right people in front of them? So that's a really, really good question. Um, and, and, and a long one for which I apologize. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. So I, I think your prediction of that happening in Europe and UK is a hundred percent spot on because that is absolutely happening here. So, what I would say from a recruiting perspective is that specific situation that you're mentioning is handled differently on a case-by-case -case basis. And I know that you could kind of answer that for, for anything, but what I mean by that specifically is there, is gonna, there are going to be situations in which the customer um, could have you know, a team of five to ten individuals in which they've been working at that customer for two, three years, if not longer, um, or they've been at other Workday customers for quite some time, so they've seen it from multiple different angles, and then you have someone coming in with a year and a half or less experience as a consultant at an implementation partner. So there have been times in which I've seen it, not you know personally, but I've just heard and seen it um, in which there has been some meeting of the minds that have not gone well. Um, other times there's been situations in which that entire team had experience in just HCM um, mm -hmm. modules, and then they have to take a back seat to even the folks who only have, you know, a year, two years of experience in the financial modules in which they kind of have to, you know, the individuals at the customer site have to just trust those consultants um, on the financial side. So it really is on a case-by-case -case basis. I don't know if, if I am qualified enough to, to answer that specifically, but from a recruiting perspective, um, the partners have to understand, for lack of a better term, the power dynamics that exist at a customer. And there could be individuals like yourself who have been um, in the Workday ecosystem for a while. So they have 
So you and others like yourself have a better understanding of what truly works, even if you don't know the specific module. Um, so, and that also goes to the customer side as well. I think customers will hire some folks to work permanently at the customers and they don't have a true understanding of how to measure if someone is truly knowledgeable about Workday. And then um, the customers will have to either borrow a implementer side consultant to serve as their kind of internal liaison mm -hmm. or hire someone on from another partner outside of their own implementation partner to serve as their customer side liaison. I've seen all of those scenarios play out in different circumstances. So, um, you know, from the true point of that question, when it comes to the partners or the customers, I don't know exactly how to answer that question, but from a recruiting um, angle, it is something that you, you have to adjust um, and be ready for. So I think that's a great question, but that, that is something that I've already seen and I know will eventually happen, you know, in your part of the world as well. And this will continue to happen over and over again. Um, so it's not a matter of uh, when, um, it's just uh, how often. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and one other, if I may, uh, sure. then I think I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll let you go. Um, is I'd be interested to know what you think about um, Workday Rising being digital this year. Um, and the reason why I'm asking is that I think you know un under the circumstances, you know, that they really did have no choice you know, right. to have people flying from all over the world. Um, I think there was fifteen thousand or so at the at the Orlando event last year. Mm -hmm. So you know that's a lot of people to have in an enclosed area, and you know social distancing just just wouldn't work um I, I did see that there is still an intention to go ahead and replacing both um the european and the north american events with a single digital event i was wondering what you thought you know how how how, how that might work so you know what are your thoughts on a on a digital rising instead of having a, a conference with everyone there in person yeah so full disclosure i've never been to a rising so i don't have that experience that you have to understand the full impact of it but uh, my perspective is in, in the years that I've been recruiting for Workday Consultants across partners and customers, there are plenty of individuals who have been in the ecosystem for years who have never attended. So mm -hmm. I, I think it allows access, especially being that it's free um, and completely digital. I, I think the amount of people who will gain something from it will be astronomical. Um, I think it will be really huge from an attendance perspective. Now the micro on an individual by individual basis of how they are impacted and what they take away from it is obviously to be determined. I don't think that you would be able to have those in-person discussions like you would have in those kind of uh, brainstorm sessions. Um, yeah. That could be a little bit different. Um so I think personally, it will be huge because a lot of people who have never had that experience will, will be able to attend for the first time. I just don't know on an individual by individual basis how much it will be impacted. I'm curious to see, what do you think? I'll turn it around to you. Um, well, I, I haven't seen what, what, what it's going to be yet. I know, that, I know when it's going to be and, and it's going to be a couple of days. Sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, um, especially how the how the sessions are run because you know a lot of the information sessions where the customers present things you know those are they are interactive to a degree 
but they're also you know a bit of a tell you know they're telling the particular story they've been on sure. now some of those do make it onto workday community anyway so in the past people have been able to access some of the rising presentations especially some of the sort of the workday the, the product focused ones um but yeah no it'd be interesting to see how you know how that works i mean i think we're all becoming more used to doing you know video conferencing even if right. we haven't done it before and you know what it's like you you can have a, a reasonably successful meeting with six people on on zoom or, or other technology if you try and have a meeting with 50 people you know you're going to have a, it's going to be a tell you're going to have a presenter and a lot of people listening and then maybe a few curated questions at the end but if you had 500 people or a thousand people you know that's that's a different proposition altogether. Yes. Um, I think from a, from a content perspective, you know, the, the same, the same stories, uh, you know, pe people have been working on their presentations, even if now they don't get to deliver them in person. So I think that the, the content and certainly the quality of that, I, I expect will be there. Um, me personally, I will miss the, um, the personal interaction. So it'll be interesting to see if there is a, a replacement for that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think it will feel a bit different because, trying to take time out of, you know, a day job to, um, to, to attend events, uh, live, I think is a, is, is a different proposition. I mean, it, it's, it's good that it's, that, you know, it's being done without charge. Um, cause it's, you know, not necessarily a cheap thing to, to attend in person. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, I don't know whether they'll get the same focus from people, you know, when you, you've got, you know, people who are in the same place for a week and everyone is, you know, th that, that's all they're doing really when they're there. I mean, you do see the people sitting on the, uh, finding a quiet corner with a laptop, trying to to keep their main day job running, but in a lot of cases, when people are, are there at the event in person, that is their sole focus. So I think switching from that to a virtual event, um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking forward to see how in, uh, see how it works. You know, maybe there will be other large scale virtual events before that that people will have attended, um, and it will have started to become the new normal, like like so many things are that we hadn't that we hadn't seen before. Absolutely. Um, so, so I think it'll be interesting to see, first of all, you know, how, how it's done, you know, when, it, when it's live um, and then, you know, what of that is available afterwards to compensate for the, for the different time zones that people are in. Um, and then to see if some of the other elements of, of rising, which, which can't be done uh, or, or, or which would normally be done in person, you know, if there are any alternatives for that or, or how that would be managed. But yeah, no, I think it'll be good. And under the circumstances this year, I think anything that we have is, is going to be a, it's going to be different to, to how it's been in years gone by. Of course, of course. Well, um, thank you so much, uh, Andre. I really appreciate your time. I know we're all really interested to see how uh, Rising turns out, but I'll certainly let you go here. And thank you so much for your time, and we'll definitely be in touch. And um, I know a ton, a ton of people will really get a lot from this conversation. So thank you again. Oh, good, good. And hey, uh, you know, good to talk to you again. Um, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. We will. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. All right. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Bye.